Hello and welcome to the Marketing Retro Podcast, where Josh and Adrian talk about marketing things on their mind. Adrian, what's on your mind this week? So, Josh, um, we are in the phase of efficiency, right? It's the year of efficiency declared by Facebook. Um, there was Meta, Meta, <laughs> right? Uh, there was a huge CMO summit last week that was put on by um, the paid group Pavilion that I'm a part of, and efficiency was like the key terms that everyone was talking about. How do you become more efficient? So I think it'd be a good idea to kind of talk about what does that mean for marketers? How do you become more efficient? And what kind of tools can people put into place? And uh, yes, we probably will. I would like to talk a little bit about that brand new flashy, super controversial, (laughs) everyone wants to talk about it, tool that, um, you know, that everyone's using and thinking that it can replace jobs. Okay, but we're, I don't think we believe that. Let's just say it. We could say the name once and then we'll try to. <laughs> okay, the chat GPT. We're, we're going to see right. and talk a little bit about that tool, but not completely. More overall, how do you be efficient? How do you run an efficient team? How do you run efficient marketing campaigns this year? When everyone, it's like less is more, less is more. 35%. I saw um, some stats that it's like taking 35% longer for deals to close. Fewer deals Mm -hmm. are closing. Um, You know, pipelines are kind of slow. There's a lot of uncertainty. So what is a marketer to do? Yep. One of of the first things I just immediately flew out of my brain as you were talking about the numbers, and maybe this is just me, but one of the things I think in, in it, for, for both reasons, for efficiency and just for what you said about deals closing slower and all of those types of things is like, I don't know how well people know their numbers, like in terms mm. of like, even just hearing people talk about those statistics, anytime I hear a statistic, and maybe it's just me, I'm a doubter, is like, I go, well, I don't, I don't know if I trust that data, like how... How accurate is it? Is it someone just pulling something from a default like CRM report? Then you also go like, how well has the, you know, are they are they MQLs? Are they deals? Are they like, you know, it's like there's so much in the nuance of until you actually ask the questions of the person like, oh, well, what do you call an MQL? Mm. And so, so twofold, I don't know about the data. So it's like, I think it's interesting that they're going to spout off statistics for that. I do agree there are some things and people should always be looking efficient. That's my bootstrap brain. Um, But one of those first things I would think of, aside from when we'll get into like some tools people could use is like digging into the details and knowing your numbers, knowing those buyer journeys, knowing those steps, I would be, I, I would be probably surprised if, if I, uh, asked a number of people how much, how well they really know their buyer journeys. What are the steps? What are the KPIs? What are the metrics in between? Like, how do you call a close rate? And what do you, you know, what, what qualifies as a deal? All of those types of things. And I would bet that a lot of like execs and leaders like don't know. Yeah. Or have extremely different definitions. Maybe they know for themselves, but it's not, we don't have, and we've talked about this before, we don't have industry standards that everyone must go by. Like we are all just kind of able to say, this is what, how it works in our organization. This is what we mean when we say MQLs. Um, And so that's definitely, that's a good point for true 
uh, data analysis, you kind of need specific answers, specific definitions and terms and, um, you know, numbers. What is, what is the saying? Like there's three kinds of lies, a white lie, a black lie, or whatever, a big lie. And then statistics. Mm -hmm. I think that's the way it goes. (laughs) I never heard that one. I like that. (laughs) No. Yeah. That, that, that was a big one. I took statistics in college and that was one we kept saying over and over again, because it's very easy to take your data splice it, dice it, move it around and make it say the story you need it to say. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, every data analysis person knows that when uh, even no matter the size of the corporation, you can come back, report it, and go, your boss says, hey, you know what? Actually, I, I need the story to be more clear in this way. And then you go back and you create the story with the numbers. Right. You massage, massage the numbers, right? Yeah. It's And it's not even wrong. It's not even Mm -hmm. unethical. It is just the fact that you can get these numbers to kind of move around and, you know, include other things inside of it. So that's true. So who created the 35%? Uh, Probably like the executive leadership and board members. And who's asking marketers to perform with less this year? Stakeholders. Same people. (laughs) And people who are invested in uh, making, you know, a return on their investment despite the market, uh, those people. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. That's a good point to begin with. So we're going to take it all with a grain of salt, right? But regardless of if the numbers are right or not, it's what's being fed to marketers and it's the restraint that the marketers are currently under. Even if it's accurate or not, it's the reality of most marketing teams right now. Well, that and that's where I would start them on this efficiency journey is like, Either they're the ones that have to go in and be masters of the numbers to really know mm-hmm. how the things are moving through the system, right? Like, it's one of those things I think a lot of people previously took for granted, or they're like, well, hey, we're, we're at a time where, you know, money was cheap. And like, I just added resources, basically, people were like, Oh, is this working? I don't know. But let's just keep throwing more stuff because we have yeah. stuff to throw at, right? So getting back into basics of like, do those numbers matter? Like open up the, open up the hood of your CRM, open up to understand all the tracking. And I know it's not fun. It's not, it's sort of like almost, it's like going up into the attic or, or whatever, checking the plumbing behind the walls. It's like, you need to have some assurance right now because efficiency means you have to have like trust in what you're seeing before you can decide to chop or make changes, right? You have to decide what to cut and you don't want to cut off, you know, your nose to spite your face because they just said it's time to chop, which I think a lot of people might have already done, hopefully. But I would say if you're really thinking efficiency minded, like you got to get to the plumbing and get to the roots of the things and really understand why things move, how things move before you hopefully make any drastic actions that you might regret. Yeah. And for our marketing team who's focused on multiple channels right now, and some of those may have been experimental, some of those may be new, some of those may be more of investment or working on quote unquote brand that's really hard to measure. Um, You know, it's time to dig into each of those channels and say, okay, what's actually bringing in qualified folks? folks who are mm-hmm. ready to convert. Um, and what does that mean? What does it mean to be qualified? And, you know, I always, I hate to be the hammer and the nail, but I always go back to knowing the nuance in your customer behavior and their customer journey. If you don't know, like, deeply those pain points, the jobs to be done, 
like why are they buying? What are those buying triggers? Those emotional responses? If you're not aware of those, if you've been able to skirt on demographic data for the last couple years, because like you said, money was cheap and stuff was happening, um, it's time to really drill into who your actual customers are and what are their true behaviors. That's where I always go back to. Right. Now, so I think those are great pieces. So I bring in my, my, it's like basically we brought two sides of the coin here with qualitative and quantitative, right? So um, I was thinking like, where are the numbers? How can you trust them? Making sure you know where those are. And you're like, okay, well, what does your gut say about this stuff of how it's actually working? How are there like, you know, whether you're, doing the research or knowing what is actually effective with those customers too, and blending all that together. And, and now, you know, you can take stock of the different things and, and, and with confidence, make some additional moves and whatnot. But yeah. And I would start with the numbers. It's less about what is your gut instinct feel or think about the customers, but it's taking, okay, we're seeing that like paid ads is converting at a high rate on Instagram. Like, let's just pretend mm-hmm. that that's the issue. Well, go in to your Instagram thing. Look at who's on Instagram in your audience. Do your social uh, listening. I got you. I got Do you. Right. your, um, actually drill down to, you can get so detailed where you can see the individual customer, like how they're interacting and then see if you can talk to those folks and just ask them right. questions. Do you remember where you first found us? What was going on mm-hmm. in your company? Um, you know, look at how long they've been customers. Are they have they been there for years and years and years, or um, are they brand new? Did they just convert? That kind of stuff, that kind of information, based upon your actual true numbers, and then using customer conversations and like social listening right. and all larger conversations, it's going to be extremely powerful, and you're going to waste less time if you want to talk about being efficient. Spend a day doing that kind of research then create your plan, then launch it. You're going to save a lot of time on experimenting and A-B testing and all that other stuff. Right. So those are two great areas we talked about, but what about the individual? What about the individual marketer and what kind of tools out there uh, that are also in vogue that no one wants to name the year on, but what, um, yeah, what sort of AI tools can, can marketers like help themselves with that they're not arguably feeling like they're replacing their job. So what, what types right. of tools have you seen or you've used? So I do use chat GPT, um, especially in writing. What I do though, is I'll say, okay, I'm writing a piece about this. Mine right now is product market flywheel, kind of a term I'm coming up with and trying to explore deeper and say, okay, uh, and I'm writing it for this audience of founders and CEOs and executives of this level of company what kind of questions would they have? What should this paper answer? And then chat GPT will hand me some questions and I'll say, okay, great. Um, Or I'll say, I want to talk about these topics. Write me an outline. An outline can sometimes take me an hour or two, depending upon the in-depthness of the paper and all that stuff. Chat GPT wrote me a really good solid outline in like 30 seconds. You know, I mean, it takes Mm -hmm. nothing for it to come up with. So that was like, okay, that really, I mean, that was an hour of my time that it did just save. Now I was able to go in and say, okay, I want to add some layers to this. I want to add some, a little bit more in-depthness because Chat GPT does do very surface level type information. Vanilla. Yeah. Yeah. So I was able to that, but it's just an outline. I'm not asking it for facts, which I think people mm-hmm. are, and you can't ask it for facts yet. I think people, right. there's confusion. I don't think you should. I don't think you should. 
No. And then there are people like I'm, I want to use it for customer research. I want to be able to hand it a transcript and say, I'm working with this company. This is what they do. Here's a customer response. Can you tell me like, what are some repeated insights? What are some common concerns? What's the, you know, feed it the thing, teach it what jobs to be done is and how to find the jobs to be done. Cause sometimes that jobs to be done analysis takes me days, honestly, to review the data and go over and over, depending upon the data set. Um, but chat GPT constantly gives me a warning. Do not put proprietary data into this system because it's not secure. So as hmm. someone who does mm -hmm. very technical, um, sensitive data for companies, I'm not comfortable putting that into the chat GPT system yet because I would be feeding it information about an industry where there's probably, where there is a lot of competition and it's a lot of same competition, right? Like if you're working with, you know, a SaaS product that's, there's multiple in your space, probably features and benefits are somewhat similar. There may be a few things, but there's a lot of overlap essentially. So I'm a little hesitant to use it there, even though I really want to, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant. That's interesting. I haven't seen that warning and I've, um, so I am, I didn't know that it was actually taking stuff people were potentially putting in and also feeding that in. Like I do see it learning from feedback loops based off of like, maybe you, you giving, I think at the bottom of it, it can just say like, you know, did you, did you like this response, whatever, some just mm -hmm. basic high level stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I know from a secure standpoint from a, like, just they they're not, they can't guarantee the security of it, but I don't know how much of it's feeding the model. So I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. about that one, like in terms of, but I do get it from a secure standpoint of like, do I want, like, if I'm, I'm not going to feed people social security numbers in here or anything, but. Right. And <laughs> um, that's the thing, I just don't, I don't know. And until we yeah. know, and it can say your chat GPT is exclusive to you and what you feed it out. I, I don't know exactly how it works. It but. probably is relatively, but I would think that that's just not something that they've put a lot of attention to. So they're not going to claim it to be like, Hey, if there's a breach, like of whatever, they're going to be like, there's, that's not, we didn't, we didn't build this to serve as a super secure, like, uh, yeah. sock two, like all these types of things, you know? So it's probably more of like, they're just not saying it because they don't want to get like, you know, slapped or targeted right like so you know you think yeah. you know when you hear of those those password plugins that that get hacked and whatever like they're massive targets because people know that there's treasure in there so to speak right so, yeah absolutely um, and who knows if it may become that one day but i think if you it should be considered a partner in the process um, not a replacement. I, you know, who was it? Buzzfeed just did a huge layoff of all their writers because they're using AI to write their articles. And it's like, I mean, we never really expected much from Buzzfeed articles anyways, but <laughs> sorry still, if you work at Buzzfeed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my apologies. Um, but you, you were writing listicles and like pop culture. So, right. you know, maybe that's fine, but wasn't there a news journalist like publication that has done it as well? It seems like one of the larger ones. I can't remember which one. But yeah, I'm not sure. I, I've been using, I have been using the tools myself as well. I actually used it um, for a couple of interesting things. Um, you know, yeah, like because I have a, you know, 
developer background, it also helped me actually write some code. So yeah. I've been writing code for a while, but I actually, so this goes on tags on both the efficiency topic we're talking about is I've been tinkering around more with uh, Google ads in, in terms of, mm-hmm. uh, um, and, and one of the things I did was like, I was tinkering with the landing pages and I, I discovered this feature last week that was where you can essentially insert the keyword that someone was looking for into the ad. So it's sort of a dynamic uh, message matching type of thing. That was pretty Mm -hmm. cool. So if someone was searching for, you know, referral rewards, it would put it in the ad like on line three. So it was like, I was like, that's pretty neat. But I took it further. I was like, hey, could I do this further on my landing page itself? So in the heading, it would put the word as well, like continue this whole message matching idea, the whole thing where someone knows they're in the right place because they're searching and they keep seeing it as they transition through uh, steps. So I was like, okay, I could do this. I can make write some JavaScript and all this. I was like, ooh, actually, I'm going to ask ChatGPT to do it. So I literally just went in. I was like, hey, uh, there's a URL parameter that's going to have the keyword and just like write me a bit of JavaScript that is replacing like a span ID tag X. And just I did that and I basically put into... Uh, my my Google landing page that I was using to direct traffic to in in probably like 30 minutes. It, it probably would have taken me like maybe an hour to do or so myself, maybe even longer, like an hour to code it, test it and be like, but I could, it outputted the code and I could look at it and be like, yeah, general inspection, this is going to work. Or I can see it's like, it's this, this is, I, I know enough. Same thing yeah. for you as a writer. It's like, this is pretty good. I know it's on target. I might craft a little bit, but but it essentially worked out really well so so what did the code do for you like in uh english marketing terms not so much developer terms what did it do um so like so what it did was it the what is in the the url Mm -hmm. so there's a parameter in there that google passes you called utm underscore term and it just has Uh the query term and i essentially said for the javascript to look at the url pull out that term and replace it into the heading and just drop it right in there. Oh, so anywhere, like for any site, any landing page that you're on, or was it one specific landing page? Just the specific landing page. I could add it to other ones, but who knows what, who's putting that term on for other ones, but mostly because Google's going to put that so you know which term it came from. And I was like, hey, let me just use this as a message matching, a a way for as you transition through, like people know that they clicked on the right thing. Um, And that's a that's a common, you know, a common CRO type of thing as you as Mm -hmm. you pass through steps, right? Like you want the button that says like schedule now and then you go to the thing and you're going to go schedule. Like if you click on a schedule now and you end up on a sign up for a, uh, you know, webinar it's like wait yeah Yeah, you're like wait what did i do am i in the right place did i click the right button i don't remember so um but yeah that was a quick way i used the code for that to generate it um i also used it to write a job description um i actually i took a transcription that i did to I i made a video for someone and said hey here's what i'm looking for uh for a marketing job and i was talking about the company and all the you know, the assets we have and like what, how we, how we run our marketing teams and stuff like that. And I did this weeks ago when I sent it to a prospect and, um, I was like, ah, 
I need to formalize this job description and also send it back to the person so they have a written version. And so I went in and just, uh, I was using zip message and I just went into the transcript section, copy and pasted that, put it into chat GPT and said, write me a job description based off of this, this, uh, like, you know, transcription. And I said, colon, and I put the transcription in and it was pretty good. And enough it for me to, good. I saw yeah, it. <laughs> enough for me to have a cold start and just like, um, it's easier to edit like after yeah. you have something right. And versus just looking at the blank, the blank sheet of paper. So. Right. That's what I was going to say. Cause that blank cursor page is so for writers can be like such a blocker. If you're just mm -hmm. standing there staring at a blank page. Um, and I think that's, what's a, a good way to use it. I saw, um, Arvid, you know, Arvid from like bootstrapped and all of that stuff. He wrote today about chat GPT and he said that he fed it an article and said, memorize this article. And then, so the chat GPT would memorize it. And then he would say, what are some things that an entrepreneur would find frustrating or that they would agree with in this article? What are some things that a founder would be confused by? Um, and I thought mm -hmm. that was really good. A good way to poke holes in your own stuff. So you've written something, you know it front and back and sideways and all the ways. And you're like, this is great. Um, but maybe chat GPT, rather than being the writer, can be a little bit of the editor, can be a little bit of that hmm. high line. An analyst, person. like a, just that, that first draft reader, right? Type right. of thing. Who's like, oh, well, what about this? Oh, you... You mentioned you made a statement here, but then you didn't follow it up. Can you answer this question that you laid? Or you've left this huge, you know, I mean, finding those gaps. I know that when I was a writer, um, that was one of the first passes and obviously so helpful to be like, oh yeah, gosh, that was good. Um, sometimes I would pause on a piece for three or four days and come back to it and find those holes in myself. Um, but being able to not pause for three or four days to really just plug it in as soon as I'm done writing and say, chat GPT, show me the blanks. What are some more questions I didn't answer? What are some things that are going to be controversial? Um, Cause controversy is kind of nice. So maybe that's your headline. Maybe that's your title. Maybe that's your right. hook, you know, like asking chat GPT to find those things for you in your own writing, using your own right. um, expertise. I know what the, the topic of today is efficiency, but on the chat GPT kind of line, are you getting prompts from LinkedIn to participate in AI articles? I am not, no. No. Okay, so I get prompts from LinkedIn about once a week, and it's a right as soon as I sign on, on mobile, it's, I haven't seen it on desktop yet, and I can scroll through a slide and it says, hey, Adrian, what do you think about, and it provides me three or four topics, and I can click on the link and it will show me a fully AI generated article and it has a little plus button and I can add my thoughts, my quotes, my stats, my expertise to the article itself and then they're going to publish it. And I thought hmm. that is a great way to do, number one, use the AI, find community, have your subject matter experts um, participate. I'm sure LinkedIn knows I'm a writer. They know I talk about you know, product marketing, they're probably tagging people who post, you know, a few times a week. So I'm active on LinkedIn. Um, I really liked that, though. I thought that was interesting and a cool way to go about gathering other insights and making an interesting article, not just something that the AI wrote, like actually bring right. interest to it. Right. And that's where I think it's going to get interesting is this layer of now we're talking about feedback loops, right? We're talking about how are 
how are these AI tools going to become more proprietary? And it's all about their data set. So I'm assuming it's like they take the, the ones that are, that they started with, right? Wherever chat GPT stuff is starting, um, yeah. pulled from massive data sets and all kinds of other information there that gives it a base to work with. And then it also gives it that level of intelligence. So like you said, with Arvid's case, he was feeding it a, here's this article. Now remember this, now use that as a basis for me to ask these other questions. So it's, yeah. it's using chat GPT's developed reasoning to then go and like talk about those types of things. And, yeah. um, that other example, I didn't even hear of that, but it makes sense to me from a business perspective because who's behind LinkedIn? It's Microsoft and Microsoft's a big proponent with, uh, you know, open AI, AI who's behind chat GPT, one of their bigger investors, but they're also rolling it into Bing and, all, and they're on the forefront of just trying to push the envelope of this thing. And if they are now adding other proprietary information through you and through subject matter experts on LinkedIn, who they can identify, now they're enhancing even more. And that's probably for their, for their own vault of, of data, so to speak. So, yeah, um, absolutely. It's all, it's all fascinating. It is. And in terms of efficiency, I'm a part of a, a women founders group, an amazing group of SaaS founder women, not just SaaS. Um, but they were, we were chatting last night and a lot of them have trained an AI to be their, almost like their trainer. So if mm -hmm. anybody in the organization has a question, they've hired new people on and they're like, hey, where's this such and such file? Hey, what mm -hmm. about this? Who knows these kinds of things? So the AI then becomes the knowledge hub. So the new trader can just go in and be like, where's the file on you know all of our content? Where's our past content library? Oop, and the, the AI generates it rather than that one new hire I mean, there, I can see pros and cons already. So that one new hire, not going to another employee and saying, hey, what do you know? So taking time away from the employee, they go to the AI, which is good to keep things running, but then also not so great when it comes to like personal relationships and onboarding and creating a culture of team and creating a culture of like belonging. So, um, you know, I can already see kind of pros and cons to that as well. Yep. No, that's, a, that's an efficient. interesting one. Nonetheless, yep. Yep. it's efficient. Yeah, I like it for these couple things we talked about augmenting ourselves and also just getting the juices flowing from a creative standpoint. The last one I'll bring up too was um, uh, my wife is is like I've mentioned the stuff to her before, but she is a little bit more of a uh, I don't know that just sounds that sounds weird. I don't know if I want to tinker with that. She also doesn't really enjoy video games, which is fine, and a lot of people don't. Um, but what's interesting is she was she's been my daughter has a play coming up and um, for the Wizard of Oz, and my wife was going to place an ad in in the playbill for her for her yoga business. Yeah. So, but last night we're sitting on the couch, and I was kind of telling her the different things I was doing with ChatGPT, and she's like, "Yeah, I've been kind of stumped on like like what I should put in that. I know I could sit down and do it, but it's just one of these things again, again staring at the piece of paper or the blank." blinking cursor and going like, mm -hmm. oh, where do we even start? So I was like, let's give it a shot. So I said, I put in there and I'm like, hey, give us chat GPT, make me like 10 ads for her yoga studio for a Wizard of Oz play, but like make sure, you know, they're they're just, I was just like, give me 10 variants. Nice. And, and it just outputted some stuff and like, you know, some of it was like, oh, and describing the image, oh, there's going to be the lion and he's sitting in a, 
in a meditative pose and da, 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 and then the line will say like this. And it was interesting because it's, if anything, just to get, you may not use any one of them verbatim, but getting 10, um, some of them were really bad. <laughs> some of them were, re were reasonable enough and interesting, but you might take little bits of each and it's, again, that cold start, get those juices flowing. So um, yeah, yeah. she was That's interested enough that I like cut and pasted and emailed it to her. But anyway. that's wonderful. That's the kind of creative I am and why I do like working long term with teams, because coming up with a, a raw idea out of my brain is really hard, but I can bounce ideas off of other people mm -hmm. really well. And so I think if you are on a solo team, let chat GPT kind of be the one you're bouncing ideas off of, you know, maybe pretend right. that they're your like, hey, chat GTP, you're my new marketing colleague. Like, let's talk, you know, and, and isn't that interesting? You can actually train it. I'm fascinated by it, to be honest. Um, you know, I like tinkering with it. I'm not, it's not replacing anything that's profitable or monetary or solid in my mm -hmm. processes right now. Um, but I can see the potential. I think a lot of people are using it in a really cool way. So I like, I like hearing about them, how people are using it. Are there other tools though? that we know that are adding efficiencies to marketing teams? Because we've talked a lot about the chat GPT. Um, mm -hmm. What else are people doing? Um, I could go on and on on this one, but we are kind of getting close to our normal our minute time. marker. So um, we could do a second one. I think there's probably some other things we can do from a, that companies can do from a like, you know, tactical standpoint, more, leaning more into some of the, the analytics pieces, some of those things we started, I think like your homepage is a great place to start with those things yeah. for just not uncommon reasons, but reasons I've discovered that have been really powerful. So maybe we can talk about that, that on, yeah. another, on another episode. So stay tuned for next week where we do part two of efficiency marketing teams, adding efficiency. And we won't talk about no chat more GPT the chat there. GPT. No, no, no. So, so not there, not there. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks, Adrian. Bye, Josh.